0: Hello, this is Brian O'Leary, and welcome to Gotcha Six. Now, those of you who have been reading my posts on my Substack page, Danger Close, might be wondering why I didn't just use the same name for the audio version and soon-to-be podcast, but I recently found out that former Navy SEAL and best-selling author Jack Carr has a podcast entitled Danger Close. I didn't steal it from him. I didn't know he had it. It wasn't intentional. But nonetheless, out of respect, I've decided to change the name to Got Your Six. So, I've Got Your Six, Jack. During his trip to China last week, California Governor Gavin Newsom... <clears throat> what? Wait, what? Stop. That must be a mistake. China? Really? Surely you must mean someone other than a state governor... After all, no governor has any business visiting communist China, especially amid the current trade disputes, human rights concerns, and its refusal to even condemn Hamas, and certainly not as it continues to supply fentanyl precursors to Mexican cartels and ratchets up its saber-rattling regarding Taiwan. Yeah, no, sorry, no mistake, it was Gavin Newsom in China. So anyway, during his recent trip to China, Gavin Newsom took a break to channel his inner Barack, by playing a little b-ball. And who could blame the guy? After all, it was a really great and endearing PR move by the former commander-in-chief. You may remember that President Obama actually made playing hoops a pretty major sideshow of his time in office. He played and practiced with Marines, soldiers, the Yukon women's team, the UNC men's team, and others. He even beat former Indiana Pacers star Clark Kellogg at a game of horse. No, I never voted for the guy, but the brother had game. Gavin Newsom being the political opportunist that he is, no one should have been surprised when he decided to follow Obama's lead by playing a little round ball against, um, well, a bunch of grade schoolers. No, he didn't stop by the NBA's recently opened training facility in Hainan or a practice session with the Chinese men's team or the women's team or anything of the sort. Instead, he paid a call to a bunch of prepubescent boys in a neighborhood park. At least Barack kept the minimum age requirement to about ninth grade, and on one visit to a high school, he knocked down an impressively long three-pointer with the only shot he took. It's actually pretty cool to watch. Let's just say that things didn't fare quite as well for the Golden State's chief exec. By now you've all seen, or at least I hope you have, the truly priceless video footage. I figured the universe must have been in a just and jocular mood that day because less than 10 seconds after taking possession of the ball, Newsom dribbled himself to the floor. However, to read what a reporter from KTLA had to say about the episode, you'd think we were talking about a member of the freaking Dream Team. According to the color commentary from digital news reporter Will Coneybear, quote, After a spin move around a double team, Newsom pivoted and went for a behind-the-back crossover before temporarily losing the ball, thanks to some good defense from one of the children, and plowing into the other child who was defending him. What? Spin move? Behind-the-back crossover? Bro, what video did you watch? Did you perhaps mean that he was idly musing over how cool it would be to one day in his life execute such a move? Because nothing I saw as I endlessly watched that clip on a loop resembled anything even close to the very beginning of a, quote, behind-the-back crossover. In reality, after twice attempting, unsuccessfully, to spin the ball on his fingertip, he dribbled behind his back once, while standing still, then pirouetted awkwardly and began to advance toward the net, dribbling as he did. And he literally didn't make it to his third step before collapsing atop an 11-year-old Chinese kid. And then, in a desperate effort to smokescreen his ungraceful and quite unathletic nosedive, he aggressively hugged the kid and patted his back. Which was arguably not what we'd ordinarily consider acceptable for a grown man to do to a child at a playground. And for the record, even if he hadn't spazzed out and fell, he should have been called for charging. That kid's feet were clearly planted. But more importantly, what sort of a narcissistic douche would presume that a group of Chinese kids playing a game of pickup would be cool with some six 6'3", 56-year-old round eye insinuating himself into their game? What a tool. Of course, Newsom's journey to the Middle Kingdom wasn't a complete flop. See what I did there? In fact, the governor was able to accomplish a few significant things during his stay, or at least he seems to think he did. First, on background, it's important to remember that this is the dude who in 2020 signed an executive order that would ban the sale of gas-powered cars in his state by the year 2035. And is the same genius who just a few days later, and a couple of times since, pleaded with Californians during a summertime statewide grid emergency to refrain from charging their electric vehicles, as well as to turn up their thermostats and turn off their lights. Yeah, I'm sure that that request from the governor must have inspired all sorts of confidence in the minds of his constituents about the capacity of their state's grid to accommodate Newsom's fanciful and really quite un-American EV decree. While California has the most charging stations in the country with about 80,000 it also has the most automobiles, about 14 and a half million, and only 903,000 of those are electric, which means that in just over a decade, the state's grid will need to accommodate an additional 13.1 million electric vehicles. Clearly the current infrastructure is light years, not a decade away from being able to support his delusional initiative. And that's not to mention the inconvenient truth that such a mandate will have a disproportionately negative impact on low- and middle-income families, as the average price of an electric vehicle currently sits at about $66,000. So anyway, back to Newsom's diplomatic, air quotes, accomplishments last week. Over the course of his Asian excursion, he signed symbolic and entirely meaningless agreements with the leaders of five Chinese provinces purportedly aimed at reducing carbon reliance and increasing levels of renewable energy use. He was then treated to what was widely described as a, quote, surprise meeting with President Xi Jinping at the Great Hall of the People on Tiananmen Square. Now, I could go on for days about the fallacy of characterizing the conference as a, quote, surprise, but for now I'll spare you. Following the meeting, Newsom's office claimed that the governor had raised issues beyond the climate, among them the continued flow of fentanyl precursors, the CCP's imprisonment of a California pastor, and a, quote, variety of human rights issues including Hong Kong, Tibet, Xinjiang, and Taiwan. But here's the thing. The meeting took place without a single member of the media in attendance, And when a skeptical member of the press later questioned Newsom on his refusal to, quote, tackle the human rights issue, he responded glibly by saying, I can't be everything to everyone at every moment of every minute of every day. That smart-ass response would lead any reasonable person to conclude that, yeah, his staff had been completely BSing us about what he and she actually discussed. He and she. I'm so pleased with that choice of words. In fact, reports from China suggest that Newsom very much pandered to Xi by refraining from so much as mentioning any of the issues that his aides had earlier credited him with advancing. And what's sort of pathetic is that Newsom seems entirely oblivious to the fact that in each of his meetings throughout his week-long tour, he was being played. So played the CCP dutifully and unceasingly caressed his ego, with President Xi even welcoming him as, quote, my old friend. Of course he did. Are you kidding me? His Chinese hosts absolutely cherished the opportunity to coddle him and to agree to any number of his frivolous suggestions about reducing carbon emissions. As if they care! That's because the more green policies that the West adopts including the world's fifth-largest economy, California, the more reliant we'll all be on China, the largest source of wind turbines, solar panels, and yes, EV batteries. Well, I'll say that's a brilliant idea, Governor. What's the next wacky measure you'd like to propose that will materially serve the interests of the CCP and the economy of your nation's greatest adversary? Meanwhile, even as it played host to the sycophantic sap from Sacramento, China continues to build coal-burning power plants like it's going out of style. Which I kind of thought it was supposed to be. Yeah, they're pumping them out to the tune of about a hundred a week. Now, while we've heard quite a bit about the China leg of his overseas adventure, thanks in large part to his having assaulted a pre-teen boy on a basketball court, The first item on Newsom's itinerary was actually a hastily arranged and rather shameless stop in Israel. Because, you know, where else would an inveterate narcissist think he should be, even as the Jewish state struggles to recover from the horrific Hamas attacks of October 7th? And I think it worth pointing out that just weeks before his performative show of solidarity with the Israelis, Newsom signed a bill prohibiting Californians with concealed carry permits from bringing their firearms into a variety of locations and facilities, including houses of worship. Yeah, like synagogues, such as the Chabad of Poway Synagogue near San Diego, where on the last day of Passover in 2019, a man armed with an AR-style rifle burst through the doors and opened fire on the congregation, killing Lori Gilbert Kay and injuring three others, including the rabbi. Yeah, but that was probably just a one-off, right? A freakish anomaly. Surely there's no imminent threat to Jewish houses of worship in 2023, is there? Anyway, during his one-day visit to Israel, Newsom met with President Isaac Herzog and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, but only after he stopped by the Saraski Medical Center in Tel Aviv, where he indulged his bloated sense of self-importance by actually visiting the wounded in their hospital rooms sitting alongside family members. Seriously, dude, who invited you? Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe he should just return to his assigned lane and maybe address a few of the myriad issues currently impacting the state he's supposed to be running. For instance, just before embarking on his Asian excursion, Newsom was forced to dispatch the California Highway Patrol, Chips. Damn it, now I've got the theme song on my head and the California National Guard to San Francisco in order to reinforce the San Francisco PD's efforts to combat the fentanyl crisis in the city. And yet, while on his trip, he proved too much of a wuss to confront Chinese officials about their critical role in the production of the deadly drug. Or perhaps he could spend some time addressing the state's cavernous $32 billion budget deficit, the result of significantly lower tax revenues, brought on in large part, by a nearly 1% population decline since the day he took office, as well as the massive exodus of corporate and retail taxpayers, many of them bound for red states, mind you, in response to the state's out-of-control crime problem. Which brings me to the next issue he might address before embarking on another taxpayer-funded international junket. From the day Newsom took office in January 2019 through the end of 2022, Incidents of violent crime statewide increased 11 percent, from about 174,000 to 194,000. Homicides in Los Angeles County alone spiked by 40 percent since the day he took hold of the state's reins. If you were unaware of that dramatic increase in California's crime stats, you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. That's because in July 2023. Very much taking advantage of the four-day Independence Day weekend, the California Department of Justice followed a time-honored political tradition of releasing bad news at the most advantageous time, when no one is paying attention. So late on the afternoon of July 1st, Friday, on the cusp of the holiday weekend, the Department very quietly dumped the state's 2022 data, just in time for no one to notice or give a damn. The report revealed that relative to the previous year, violent crime had increased by 6.1%, property crime by 6.2%, and robberies by over 10%. Now, while all of this is, of course, ugly, perhaps the most apt statistic, given the subject of this piece, pertains to commercial shoplifting, which is defined by California's 2014 Proposition 47 as, quote, entering a commercial establishment during business hours with the intent to steal property valued at less than $950. Newsom has long been a staunch and vocal supporter of Prop 47 and its $950 threshold, and has continued to praise and defend the legislation, even as incidents of commercial shoplifting jumped a staggering 28.7% in 2022. But Prop 47, which reduced a number of felonies to misdemeanors, isn't his only baby. He's also a fan of Prop 57, which reduced prison sentences, and of Assembly Bill 109, which allows felons to serve their sentences in local jails rather than in state prisons. And in spite of copious evidence to the contrary, Newsom has had the gumption to claim that these statutes have actually helped reduce crime in California. And even in response to bipartisan calls to amend them, he's instead repeatedly chided the state's DAs to prosecute under existing laws. But Fresno DA Lisa Smitkamp doesn't buy it, saying last January that, quote, he should be ashamed of himself. This is the environment he created, and he's either ignorant of the statistics or he's a liar. Smith can't went on to insist that Prop 47 had weakened the criminal justice system in California and accused Newsom of trying to destroy the state's law enforcement. Yeah, so rather than support legislation that might stem the tide of crime in a state or patch the budget gap or address the fentanyl crisis, Newsom is focused on matters that he has deemed far more important such as imposing a law requiring department stores to display toys and children's toothbrushes in a gender-neutral way, or signing the nation's first ban on gas-powered lawnmowers and leaf blowers, or prohibiting restaurants from offering packets of ketchup and other condiments unless customers specifically ask for them. Seriously. Prop 47 remains, but just last week he signed a law requiring that schools teach cursive writing. All this from a guy who back in January passionately espoused the notion of, quote, protecting liberty from a rising tide of oppression taking root in our state houses. Yeah, he actually said that with a straight face. And then just when you thought the guy couldn't be any more slick, gross and hypocritical, on October 8th, Newsom signed Senate Bill 54 requiring venture capital firms to submit annual D.E.I. reports on the leadership of the companies they'd invested in over the previous year, including information related to race, ethnicity, gender identity, military and disability status, and whether any members identify as LGBTQ+. His signing statement read, quote, This bill resonates deeply with my commitment to advance equity and provide greater economic empowerment of historically underrepresented communities. Now, while all of that silliness about SB 54 may be idiotic and counterproductive, I promised you slick, gross, and hypocritical, right? Well, on that very same day, Senate Bill 702 also landed on his desk. That bill directed that, quote, the office of the governor shall create and publish on its internet website a report that contains aggregate demographic information of appointments by the Office of Governor, including the ethnicity, gender, disability status, region, party affiliation, and veteran status of the appointed individual. Sound familiar? It should. Only when that bill arrived on his desk, he quickly vetoed it, arguing that the data would, quote, not necessarily accurately reflect the diversity of appointees. After repeated unreturned calls to Newsom's office from the nonpartisan Cal Matters asking why Newsom supported the diversity requirement for VC firms but not for his own office, spokesman Omar Rodriguez replied via email, quote, Thanks for reaching out. SB 54 and SB 702 speak for themselves will let you know if we have anything further to add. Anyway, despite his shady history and all of those pesky statistics, if you haven't already figured it out, Gavin Newsom's running for president. It couldn't be more transparently obvious. There's no other conceivable justification for him to travel to China and Israel, of all places, or for the dude to launch a political action committee in March followed by a trip to Arkansas, Mississippi, and Alabama under the banner of his Campaign for Democracy. What the hell is a Campaign for Democracy, you might ask? Well, according to its website, the Campaign for Democracy was founded to, quote, expose and fight rising authoritarianism across the nation. Really? This from the guy who won't let the McDonald's cashier put a thing of ketchup in your bag unless you expressly request it? In June, though you might not have believed it, Newsom sat for a nationally televised hour-long interview with Fox's Sean Hannity. It actually went quite well, and he has since parlayed that appearance by agreeing to a November 30th debate with his ideological rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. In case you haven't heard, DeSantis is an officially declared candidate for President of the United States, which might make his pairing against Newsom for a debate seem a smidge unconventional, but that's only if you believe that when Newsom looks at himself in the mirror, he doesn't start humming hail to the chief. Now, he may be a truly lousy governor and a man of questionable fidelity and integrity. He cheated on his first wife with his campaign manager's wife, and maybe he has a somewhat tenuous grasp of what's truly important to his constituents, but the dude is aerodynamically built for politics. He's got the looks, the smarminess, the unbridled ambition, and enough of a lack of self-awareness to confidently propel himself through a campaign, even when it's not yet a campaign. Of course, when pressed by the likes of Chuck Todd and Cecilia Vega on his presidential aspirations, Newsom has skillfully demurred, insisting that it's, quote, time to move on from the notion of his candidacy and that his recent efforts to clean up California streets are not... Quote, about some grand ambition. Absolutely not. Whatever. Look, the truth of the matter is that I love that Newsom has chosen to put himself on the skyline. If he hadn't, we never would have gotten to see him face plant on a Chinese basketball court. And now we'll all have much more of an opportunity to watch him defy the second law of physics by simultaneously being full of himself and at the same time being full of shit. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.